0: Welcome to another episode of Disrupt. I'm Home Health Care News Editor Andrew Downland. Today, our guest is Joanne Cunningham, the CEO of the Partnership for Quality Home Health Care. In the conversation, we get into the state of home based care in Washington, D.C. There's a lot to talk about. From looming reimbursement cuts to positive advocacy momentum in Congress, we touch on it all. Before we get into that conversation, though, a word from our sponsor, Care Academy. Care Academy is like the Netflix of healthcare. With more than 500 engaging classes to train, retain, and upskill care staff, Care Academy's unique platform takes your training to the next level, all while saving you time. Easy-to-use mobile classes make learning accessible anytime, anywhere, with support for multiple languages. Level up with specialized certifications in areas from dementia to mental health. Simple compliance reporting makes your audits a breeze achieve cost containment using text messaging and interoperability with multiple ecosystem platforms. Visit careacademy.com to start a free trial today. Okay, Joanne. So last week there was this hearing put on by the Senate finance committee subcommittee on healthcare. Uh, The hearing specifically focused on aging in place and challenges facing the home healthcare provider and patient community in the U.S. My first mm-hmm. question was just, how did this hearing come about in the first place?
1: Well, um, we way back um, in the beginning of the year had been speaking with uh, many of our allies on the Hill who are very interested in home health. And uh, Senator Cardin was um, very interested in, um, in holding a hearing on home health and his staff had been working with us really since February on you know the concept, and we gave a lot of ideas and they had their own ideas. and through that process uh, came about the hearing.
0: And so for those who didn't listen live or read you know my recap article, for instance, can you explain the format of the hearing and sort of what was discussed over the two hours or so?
1: Happy to. Um, So the hearing had a total of uh, five witnesses, um, and these were um, folks that uh, we had suggested, and then also, as I mentioned, Senator Cardin uh, and uh, Ranking Member Danes on the Health Subcommittee. They also worked on uh, some other ideas as well. Uh, So we had um, uh, Bill Dombey, who is the President and CEO of the National. Association for Home Care and Hospice, and he was on there as sort of the, you know, the expert in the, um, not just the Medicare Home Health Program, but really home care and care in the home uh, generally, um, but as an expert witness. Um, They also invited um, a provider from the state of Nebraska from a a small uh, home health agency, Um, Her name was Carrie Edwards. Um, They also had an academic from the University of Washington who's done a lot of research um, in the area of care at home, especially from a rural perspective. And then there was uh, a person from the Center for Medicare Advocacy and a former MedPAC commissioner.
0: Yeah, in terms of who was all there and including in the audience, uh, mm-hmm. what, what were your feelings on that? It seemed like it was, you know, well attended. And there was a lot of interest.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a packed room. I saw a lot of folks who um, understand the provider perspective and kind of, you know, advocates for um, home health care. Um, and so I think, you know, from the get go. Uh, The hearing seemed like it was immediately off to a good start. There were many members of the Senate Finance Committee, both Republicans and Democrats. Uh, The chair of the Senate Finance Committee, uh, Ron Wyden, came uh, for a good chunk of the early part of the hearing. Uh, Senator Stavenow, who's been a huge advocate for uh, home health and care in the home, uh, she came uh, and spent, I think, most of the time there. So it was really a, a well, a well-attended hearing, um, and I think there were um, one other interesting thing were just the, I would say, the the engagement of all the senators and really digging into the issues. Um, very interested in what was happening to access to home health care services for Medicare patients who need those services in order to transition back home out of hospital or from, you know, uh, a doctor's recommendation, you know, needing recovery services, rehabilitation services. Um, so, you know, I was also struck by how much uh, engagement there was and, and really the you know, just the insightful uh, questions that uh, senators asked.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The questions weren't surface level, which I was a little bit surprised by. They were much yeah. more the weeds, which I think was an encouraging sign.
1: Yeah, I thought so, too.
0: OK, so Bill, I talked to Bill Dombey yesterday, who, as you mentioned, was a witness at the hearing. He said that he sort of left the meeting on an emotional high Based on your expectations going in, how did you feel after afterward?
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, it was a real, um, it was a really good, good discussion. And, you know, the best part about it was just how brightly it, it shined a light into how important care in the home is. And in particular, you know, the Medicare home health program that is such a lifeline for for older Americans, and um, I really think that um, it really shined a light there. And I'm not surprised that Bill felt on an emotional high. I think we all felt that. You know, many of us have been working in this um, home health sphere for many, many, many years, and we believe in this program. I I think there um, is honestly nothing better than seeing someone who has gone through a surgery or is in need of some kind of services to help them uh, monitor a condition or recover or rehabilitate, um, seeing them receive those services back in their home. So um, there's nothing better than that. And I thought the hearing was just a great showcase of just how important that is.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the home health provider voice that was there. That was Carrie Edwards, who's from Mary Healthcare, which is based in Brackville. She did a very good job of showing the issues that all home health providers are facing right now, especially the smaller ones and especially the ones in rural areas where patients really lack the access to home health care. I'll just lay out a few of the things that she mentioned. Her agency previously covered a 13-county, 60-mile radius. They had to reduce that because of, you know, staffing issues and rate cuts to a 40-mile radius earlier this year. And then yeah. even more recently to a 25-mile radius. Yeah. Uh, and she also mentioned that uh, her agency is declining 50% of referrals. I thought that was really important, Joanne, especially because sometimes, you know, in the past MedPAC, which was touched on in the meeting, but they, view, they viewed access as – you know, how many agencies per zip code, but really, no no matter how many agencies there are in a zip code, if those agencies can't accept new patients because of staffing constraints or reimbursement concerns, then it doesn't really matter.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. I thought that was a great uh, thread of questioning and discussion, Um, you know, that we we see kind of the data in a very um, limiting kind of metric that is used um, you know you have you have access and I'm putting that in quotes um, you have access to home health care just because that agency uh, serves your zip code as as part of their delivery area but we all know that unless you can actually receive services when you need them uh, your access is is not real and I thought that whole thread of discussion was just so um, revealing of some of the challenges um, that patients have. And, um, you know, I think Carrie did such a good job of highlighting, you know, what happens to that uh, Medicare patient who's in a hospital bed, who needs home health care services, you know, the doctor, her discharging physician is, uh, you know, ordered the services, and there's no capacity of an agency to deliver them you know, and she even pointed out that patient either stays in the hospital, they go home without, um, and they probably end up back in the hospital uh, via the emergency room. Or, you know, sometimes they're, you know, headed for a skilled nursing facility. And we know home health works. There is, um, there's no question, there's so much data about how care in the home, and in particular, the Medicare home health uh, array of services, clinical uh, services being delivered to that, that uh, individual, we know that that keeps them out of higher levels, more expensive levels of care. Uh, there's just abundant data um, on that point. And so I thought that whole thread was just a good, a good thing to illuminate and shine a light on.
0: Yeah, and if it didn't work, uh, or if it didn't work as well as home health providers say, there wouldn't be an expansion of the home health value based purchasing model. Um, <laughs> there wouldn't be billions of dollars saved. Um, right, life.
1: that's right. I always found that strange that in the same uh, proposed rule that you know cuts home health um, by such significant billions of dollars, you know, there's also a proposal in there that recognizes. That the home health value based purchasing program saves $3.4 billion over four years. So it just seems like such, um, a complete counter. <laughs> um, you know, we, in the same rule that you're cutting home health, um, you know, there's a full recognition of the value that home health provides to the Medicare trust fund.
0: Joanne, were there any other big takeaways that you had from things that were said at the hearing, whether it was from witnesses or from senators?
1: Well, the other te- takeaway I would say, and we talked a little bit about this, was just the knowledge level, I thought, of uh, Senate finance members was very deep. And they each had their own lens um, and asked questions that were um, kind of through that lens. But whether, you know, I thought the discussion on workforce um, and the capacities that um, we have currently and are lacking in uh, necessary healthcare and home healthcare workforce was also a really good kind of deeper dive into a huge problem that is um, exacerbated by CMS policy. Um, but it, you know, we need, we need the staffing and we need resources in order to pay those nurses, pay those clinicians, um, appropriately. And right now we're, it seems like we're moving in the opposite direction and the CMS policy is exactly the wrong policy at the wrong time, um, especially given our goals, um, you know, not just as a country, but also, you know, as policymakers to try to move more care in the home. So I thought that um, there was just a lot of base knowledge that was very deep from uh, really all of the senators and in, in different through different lenses that all kind of pointed to the same issue of access to care.
0: Absolutely, just listening, and I, I thought that was one of the more impressive parts of the hearing. was you know, I'm sure the partnership um, is is tired of you know describing home health care versus personal home care, but uh, that that was not at all uh, the the kind of conversations that were happening. They were much much more deep and uh, much more, I would say, uh, you know, productive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's all important, you know, it really is, whether it's um, you know, more sort of services and supports that help with, you know, activities of daily living, help those um older Americans, help them age in place, you know, that's that's a need also. But the clinical value of Medicare home health is if they it's a uh sophisticated level of care. That um, an individual is able to receive in their home, delivered by um, nurses and therapists and social workers who have an expertise of providing that level of care in the home. And it's, um, you know, if you've ever experienced it with a family member, it's really incredible to watch because it is, um, you know, a, a specific expertise that. Um, allows really sick people to recover safely um, and rehabilitate safely in the comfort and security of their own home.
0: So I think there were a couple other things that I wanted to get to when it comes to, uh, we mentioned earlier, the zip code measurement of access, but also Medicare Advantage. Uh, I thought it was important that those two aspects, which obviously... Uh, the Preserving Access to Home Health Act, that includes some provisions, hopefully, to how MedPAC views the home health care community in general. Do you think there was any uh, progress on that just in terms of showing the, uh, the lawmakers in the rule room how Medicare Advantage affects the overall financial well-being of these providers?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Medicare Advantage is um, an important program that you know we just may need to make sure that um, the the services that you receive in MA and in traditional Medicare are you know on par and that the experience is the same. I thought that the discussion you know focused on payment and you know you you um, mentioned. The provision in the Savannah Collins bill that um, that dealt with directing Medpac to do a better job, essentially, of looking at the financial model of the you know the home health community because you know it, it's not um, it's not a model that has commercial insurance to kind of help support you know underpayment on you know the Medicare and Medicaid side. And it needs to be better understood that this is a model that um, we need to have VENTPAC take a look at kind of what, you know, what's happening from kind of this holistic standpoint. So I thought that was a good, um, also a good thread of discussion. Um, I know Senator Stabenow feels very strongly about that uh, language in her bill. Um, And also to get a better understanding, you know, of, of kind of the underlying data that, um, that is fueling kind of MedFax analysis, you know, the, the flaws that exist in the Medicare home health cost reporting um, um, requirements and, you know, that data, you know, we, we have to do better. Uh, we need to understand fully kind of the cost structure, the real cost structure, and also kind of this this, uh, total economic model, this total financial picture rather than, you know, just singling out, um, you know, the, the traditional Medicare, um, and, and, you know, kind of pointing fingers. But we're, I I would say we're, um, we're on a path where there's a lot of discussion about this and that's a good thing. Um, and, and there's clearly interest, by Senate Finance members, a better understanding this and how do we get there. So I thought that you know that discussion about MA and the um, you know the importance of um, MA um, and kind of in the whole picture of um, you know really the economic model of the average home health provider was a was a very instructive one.
0: Okay, so back to traditional Medicare. I'm curious now. After the hearing, as we approach October, which you know the final rule could come then, or maybe early in November, what, are, what what is your feeling now on how that final rule will end up? Are you more optimistic than you were prior to the hearing?
1: You know, I'm always optimistic. <laughs> um, you know, I I really uh, you know I talk to a lot a lot of policymakers on the Hill and in the agency and. You know, I I think there's a lot of support for home health care, and there's, you know, there's an understanding of how important it is. When we have a hearing like that, that showcases it, it does make me more hopeful. Um, We have to make sure our message is heard uh, by CMS that these uh, reimbursement cuts are, are, there's a direct line to a decrease in access to care, that 's getting worse, not better, and we need CMS to feel you know the the pressure of uh, policymakers from lots of different corners who are saying, "You know what this doesn 't make sense let's let 's redo this let 's retract um, any of you know the rest of these cuts, all of these cuts, because they're having a detrimental impact on um, you know, seniors' ability to, to access health care at home, and we're seeing that. So let's, let's pause. Let's take a, a step back here. Um, so, yeah, I'm optimistic, but, you know, I'm on pins and needles, as we all are, you know, who work in the home health community. And so, you know, we're going to keep working until, you know, the, the final, final moment um, in order to make sure that our voices are loud and that they're heard.
0: Anything else to add, Joanne, in terms of maybe, you know, a call to action for providers or um, any point that we may have missed in our discussion?
1: No, the only thing I would add is um, everyone knows what it feels like when you're sick or vulnerable, um, how badly you want to get back home. Everyone knows what that feels like. When you're someone who's an older person and you've been in the hospital for 10 days and you've had a serious illness or injury or surgery, um, that is even more powerful in order to, you know, that, that desire to get back to your life. Um, you know, I experienced this firsthand with my dad and, um, there is a palpable visceral um, response for someone who's been in the hospital for two weeks and they just want to get back home. And home health does that and it's safe and it's really the right kind of care for folks whose only desire is to just get back into their life. And, and so we need to respect that. We need to honor that. We need to make it easier for people to transition back home. We need to make it easier for individuals who are already living at home, um, you know, to receive care that would keep them there. And we need to prioritize that. I don't see that this, um, CMS action by the Biden administration is doing that. I think it moves in the exact opposite direction and we need to do better. And uh, it's it's really, really important. And so I'm glad we talked. I'm glad we have the opportunity to highlight this. It's so, so important.
0: Thank you so much for the insight and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. I really, really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Disrupt. For more news and insights on the home health, home care, and hospice industries, subscribe to our daily or weekly newsletters at homehealthcarenews.com. I'm Andrew Donlin, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network, Chicago, Illinois.